I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online podcast. You know, in, in every national park, there's a place called Inspiration Point. And people go there and they say, oh, it's just like a picture. <laughs> and nobody knew this. 400 years ago, it took the artists to paint landscape and then people realized how beautiful it is. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and in today's gorgeous episode, I got to have my friend Christopher Kelly on the show, and we got into all sorts of wonderful things in relation to increasing libido, supplementation for uh, reversing insomnia, blood testing. He is a uh, professional cyclist and a Kalish method practitioner, we get into what the heck that is, and a functional medicine practitioner, and host of a really rad podcast called Nourish, Balance, Thrive, and uh, his story is pretty interesting. He came from a background as a computer scientist originally, and uh, depressed, insomniac, all the biomarkers that would tell you that... Uh, your biology is kind of kind of tanking. Apparently, he was experiencing most of those, from what he says, and uh, how he reversed that. His story of reversing that, and then teaching other athletes on how they can upregulate themselves. And that's what we get into in this conversation. I took 5-hydroxytryptophan as a supplement, and so this is a, a precursor to serotonin, which then becomes melatonin. And I slept for the first time in literally a decade. And it was like a crazy emotional experience. I was nearly crying. It was unbelievable. And of course, everything started getting so much better after I started sleeping. Thank you so much for checking out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit, which is a hollow foam roller, screw-on lids, a couple different myofascial release balls inside, band, door anchor, so you can adjust the height and keep that sexy tissue of yours moving, fluid and smooth the way it's supposed to. Um, what else do we got? That's pretty good, I think. Uh, something I have been pondering upon uh, recently is... Uh, looking at our relationships and auditing our relationships, auditing ourselves and how participatory we are in our relationships as well. And uh, something I, I've mentioned in this program before is making sure that you have a balance in your relationships of, say, call it thirds, of people that you are learning from, people that you are kind of at the same level of, and the people that you are teaching. Because we learn so much from teaching, and we learn quite a bit from you know being in school and all that stuff as well. And then it's nice to just be comfortable with people and not feel like we're in education mode in general. So. Um, yeah, if you want to learn something really, really well, I couldn't recommend more uh, teaching it. Seek out a teaching role with that, and you will learn more than you ever could have possibly imagined with that. So looking at how that relates to our relationships. Are we stagnant in our relationships? What can we do to stimulate them things? Stoke that fire! 
thanks for using the Amazon portal on the website, on the uh, blog and podcast page. I get something like 7% of every purchase, and that goes towards this podcast. Uh, traveling around, interviewing people, and you know all that stuff. So I greatly appreciate that. Thanks so much for reviews. Five stars on iTunes. That is wonderful and uh, brings a tear to my eye. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I think we might be ready to go. Um, all right, here we go. Back to the show with Mr. Christopher Kelly. Align Podcast. Yes, sir. I can hear you. Your voice is very sultry and sexy. <laughs> Thank very, you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I've been listening to your podcast and you've had some people that are probably really hard to get, like, um, uh, what's his name? Stuart McGill. I bet that wasn't an easy pitch. Dr. Stuart. Um, well, it wasn't that bad, actually. We, uh, he, oh. uh, he asked to talk to me on the phone, and then we talked, and then uh, we hit it off on the phone, and that was, that was it. Yeah, it wasn't that too big of a deal. I was really stoked he wanted to talk to me on the phone, actually. I was like, oh, great. That's, that, that's wonderful. Because uh, I'm, I'm this miserable, stoic British guy. <laughs> see, like, it comes a little bit more. I have to force it a little bit more than you do, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, like, I'm fairly – I don't have much of a life beyond – like you know, moving around and exploring that and talking to people about it. So yeah, it's all like look at that. You're all... in. Is that the studio? What is that? It's like a freaking yeah. This it's is like a so this medieval is... torture chamber yep, or yep, some yep. sort of sadomasochism type thing. Yeah, so thing. I'm actually a sexological body worker. So I do, <laughs> I do, I jerk a lot of people off in here predominantly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this is so I got um, yeah. I, I essentially keep it to be like. A creative environment is the big thing, you know, so it's, it's educating people on how they are able to be creative in their own environment. So when they come in to work with themselves, so coming in here, it's like, great, like anything we want to do, like we got it, we can just go for it. You want to hang off of stuff, you want to use some pipes, you want to use some foam rollers. It's just like, it makes it easier for me and just stimulating. I want to stay stimulated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so funny that I've been listening to your podcast for a while and obviously checked out your website and everything and... Uh, and then, and then suddenly, I know where I would want to go with an interview with you. Just seeing that image in the background. <laughs> oh, good, cool, yeah, sweet man. What's the story with how you got into functional medicine? Is it the Kalish method or Kalish Institute or how do you call that? Yeah, exactly. The Kalish mentorship is one of the training courses that I did. Are we? Are we is this podcasting right now? Or are we? <laughs> uh, yeah, this 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 could be podcasting. Yeah, I don't know whether you want to start and. No, I don't start. You don't start. Oh, so this no. is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's okay. one of the that's one of the the. Uh, I don't know if it's a if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the way I do it. Okay. All right. Well, I better stop wasting people's time then. Yeah. The Kalish yeah. mentorship. Yeah. Um, that was something that I got into through necessity. Uh, when I moved to the U.S., my health really started falling apart, um, and I don't think I was ever that stellar. You know, even as a child, I think I had ropey digestion, and an inability to concentrate, and a fairly low sex drive. I would say. And then I moved to the US and started eating the food here, in particular the canteen food at Yahoo. I used to work for a tech company called Yahoo that everybody knows. And uh, yeah, eating their food seemed to be particularly deleterious to my health and uh, developed a lot of GI symptoms, a lot of fatigue, a lot of insomnia. Um, uh, Eventually ended up going to the doctor. The doctor was worse than useless. Doctor sent me to a gastroenterologist. Gastroenterologist was darn right harmful. Got lucky, met a woman who just finished a master's degree in food science. And she said, oh, yeah, that gastroenterologist is useless. You should sack him, her, actually, I should say. And so I did. And I tried the autoimmune paleo diet, and that worked spectacularly well. 
And then after a few weeks of that, I thought, well, what else is possible? I just spoke to a person in Australia, actually, that's going through exactly the same thing now. Well, I tried this ketogenic diet and I feel fantastic. And now I'm wondering what else I might be able to achieve. And uh, that's how I got to know Dr. Kalish. I heard him on a podcast and worked with him, did some functional medicine testing, was so blown away with the results that I got in terms of my energy and my recovery and how well I did on the bike that I wanted to do his training so I could find out what's inside the black box, right? Like, how's he doing this? Is it some sort of magic trick? And uh, yeah, that's that sparked a lot of things, really. That sparked an interest in biochemistry and physiology. And I did some other training courses. I've done lots of work with the Khan Academy. You can get these videos for free on the internet that I'm sure people have heard of. Has been really, really helpful to me. And then I, I started my podcast and I did some guest podcasts. I did, did one guest appearance on the Rob Wolf podcast and a medical doctor named Tommy Wood heard me. And he phoned me up and said, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing. And I was like, oh, it's one of those medical doctors that doesn't know what they're doing. And uh, of course, that was completely wrong. And he became a good friend. And since then, he spent about 18 months training me quite intensively. In fact, we've just been reading some really interesting biochemistry just before we got on this call. And and that, that's how I know a lot of what I know. And I've started a functional medicine practice. I quit my job at a hedge fund and started Nourish, Balance, Thrive, which is my functional medicine practice. And my wife coaches athletes like me on high fat, paleo, ketogenic diets, all sorts really, a mixed bag. And then I employ a registered nurse that works in Utah. And uh, Tommy has just finished his PhD. He's just moved to the US. And I also work with another medical doctor. And she's also in Northern California. So... Yeah, just having a really great time that testing athletes and, and fixing problems, a bit like the problems that I had. Yeah, it all store, it was all born out of necessity, you know, the kind of when when the problem is your own, it's there's nothing else more interesting on earth, or at least there isn't to me. Right. It's kind of convenient you you got kind of pushed to the point of like you know, a lot of people that end up seeing me in my practice is like until they're in real distinct pain, they're like, Nope, it's fine. It's good, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I, I literally cannot walk anymore and I'm in agony. It's like, I need, I need to seek out assistance. But the rest of the people that are just kind of in this like kind of sort of blurry, wishy-washy, brain foggy, I kind of hurt, but I'm doing good enough all the time place. That's, that's like where the meat is. <laughs> you know, I think there's so many people that right. are just before that red line of like, I need to get help. You know, but they keep on ingesting the process bullshit and they keep on, you know, they're not sleeping and they got Wi-Fi and blah, 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 all these things. Like, what are some of the, the main obvious slow-hanging fruit stuff that you see with people in your, your practice? You know, there isn't any. I, I hate to say that, but it's true that the people that I work with are people that have been listening to podcasts the last two years. And, you know, my, my, my prototypical client is somebody that's been listening to every single episode of the Ben Greenfield podcast mm -hmm. and they're doing all of it. And they've had fantastic results using all of those diet and lifestyle hacks. And then, you know, they get to this point of clarity and they start wondering what else is possible. Or another alternative is they got stuck, right? Like I'm doing all these things that he said to do and it did help, but I still feel there's something missing. My recovery is not what it was five years ago. And so that's when they turn to functional medicine, to doing blood tests, doing urine tests, doing stool tests to try and find out what's going on inside of their bodies. And it, it always works. Like you always find out what's wrong. The problems are always fixable and the person always gets improvements. So there really isn't much low hanging fruit. And every now and again, we do get gifted with a pilot who is in obviously a very difficult spot with his environment and uh, it not being very conducive to sleep and 
feeling good in general, but then you 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 put them miles away from any kind of decent source of food and then all hell breaks loose. And, you know, if you can teach those people how to find good food whilst they're traveling, then that's low hanging fruit, right? If you can stop someone from eating cereal for breakfast, sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner, that's 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 high fives. We're going to get a testimonial in, in six weeks, low hanging fruit. But we very rarely see those people. Is the pasta for dinner, carb loading, you know, you're into bicycle, biking, bicycling, whatever. Uh, is that like totally squashed or there's still people out there that are, you know, doing a million calories of carbs the night before? No, <laughs> no. I think I was, I was an idiot doing that. You know, I, I fell into that trap, you know, maybe I listened to some old school cardiologists in the 1980s and 90s and I thought that fat was the, the devil. And, you know, I, I, Teflon was the name of the game with my diet in the in the 90s and early 2000s. And I ate literally hundreds and hundreds of grams of carbohydrate per day when I was training to be an elite cycle cross racer and mountain biker. And I was doing 20 to 30 hours a week of riding and then backfilling it all with carbohydrates that I know now that I'm exquisitely sensitive to. Right. I'm probably celiac and I'm eating pasta. So you can imagine how well that went down. And uh, of course, my my blood sugar was just out of control. And that was one of the main drivers that sent me to the doctor was my fasting blood glucose was 120 milligrams per deciliter. And since then, you know, I've cut all of the carbohydrates out of my diet and I'm following more of a Tim Noakes approach, you know, that I've heard him on your podcast. It's a fantastic episode. Actually, I really enjoyed that interview. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm not eating any carbs at all now, measuring ketones and even for cycle cross, which for me is a quite an intense effort. It's 60 minute time trial on paper, but in practice, there's quite a lot of sh short sprints in it. And even that I'm not really seeing any difference by introducing some carbohydrates before the event. So getting fantastic results, eating a really, really low carb diet, but I don't think that's for everyone. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of my weird thing. Right. Yeah. What about, uh, testing blood testing and really like getting the truth of where we're at? Is that, is that becoming more financially available? Because that's like, I recognize how great it would be, but then, you know, I, I'm a cheap bastard. I'm like, well, I feel pretty good, you know, so I'll just keep on testing. But then what's our best bet with really getting the, the truth of where we're at and not spending $1,000? Yeah, so that's the trick, isn't it? Um, you know, our blood chemistry is designed specifically for masters endurance athletes and it doesn't cost a thousand dollars. It costs 400 bucks. And, you know, I'm sure that some people can get that cheaper if they go to their doctor and have them order it and then claim it back on their insurance. But for most people that we work with, it's just not worth their time to you know, spend half a day in the doctor's office and then more time in the lab getting blood drawn. Nice. And so they order, they pay cash up front uh, to us and we send people directly to quest and they get blood drawn and yeah, 400 bucks, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not nothing, but, uh, the tires that I run on my bike, a set of Schwabe racing Ralph tires, they come from Germany. It's about a hundred dollars a tire is the retail price. And I pay a little bit less than that, but yeah, you know, so two sets of tires, <laughs> you're kind of getting to a, for the point where you're you know, approaching the cost of this blood test. And I, and I know which is likely to make me go faster, right? Like understanding what's going on inside my body versus a nice set of new tires is, yeah, I know which I'd, I'd rather have. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's something you can learn even from the most basic of blood tests, like a complete blood cell count, you can, you can learn something from that. And, and every doctor up and down the country is, is ordering that test. You just have to take the time to look at it and uh, try and figure out what the, what the variable names mean. Right. So that's, that's kind of my, 
the way that I got into this was looking at these funny names, like what does alkaline phosphatase really mean on a blood chemistry? And you know, there's, there's lots of good information out there on, on the internet and you can figure out what alkaline phosphatase is and, and maybe you can learn something about why yours is low. You know, that's like, it's kind of, that's good information right there on a, on a relatively inexpensive blood test. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love something that I, you know, have kind of intermittently dealt with is I think everyone does to a different degree, but brain fog, you know, I think that's something that's, that's super relevant to, you know, most people that I, I witness walking around the world. Is there any kind of like, what do you think about that? What the heck is brain fog in the first place? Do you have any sense on what that is? Yeah. So really it's like all of these things, the symptoms are rubbish. I have to say that in general, uh, like everybody just says the same things. They've, I could almost, I mean, there's groups of symptoms, right? There's fatigue, there's insomnia, there's low sex drive, there's weight gain, there's GI symptoms, and they all seem to just manifest in the same sort of yuck, yuckiness. And you can't, you, you don't really know. Like when I get back a blood chemistry, and I see an elevation of C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation, that could easily be causing your brain fog or anxiety and depression. And we know that from looking at the epidemiological data that shows a strong connection there. But I don't really know with certainty what's driving that inflammatory process in your body, not normally. So, you know, I'll see some other things on some of the other test results, like the organic acids. We might see some yeast overgrowth or maybe an overgrowth of certain clostridia. That's a good example. I've talked about that recently on my podcast. Certain species of clostridia, they produce this metabolite called HPHPA, and it inhibits the conversion of dopamine to norepinephrine. And uh, these are important neurotransmitters. And when this process in, is inhibited by this species of bacteria, then who knows what that's going to do to the way you think, right? I'll never know with certainty, but I do know that you can get rid of the clostridia with a certain probiotic. And uh, I think that when you find this problem, you should go ahead and do so. So our approach, I would say, is kind of bottom up, you know, bottom up tinkering. Let's just do some some metabolomics and, and look at what markers you have. And when I see something that I know is a problem and I have a solution for it, then let's go ahead and fix that. And you tell me in two months time, how is your brain fog? How is your ability to concentrate? And inevitably the person is, is feeling much better once they, they fix these problems, but I don't always know the connection. Yeah. Yeah. With the clostridia, what, so is it just getting a good probiotic or what's, what's the way the remedy? Something like that? Yeah. So in the 1950s and sixties, Lactobacillus rhamnosus was patented for the purpose of removing these certain species of Clostridia bacteria. And there's other things you can take. Um, I think uh, Bill said vancomycin. We don't really do pharmaceuticals. Uh, you know, being a computer scientist, I obviously don't have a, a license to prescribe anything. But um, yeah, there's there's always solutions. And in this case, Lactobacillus rhamnosus is something that you can take to displace these Clostridia. But like with all of the supplementation, it's it's not quite as simple as just knowing the name of the thing. It's you, you really have to do the testing to know whether or not you need it. Right, right, right. So how the heck is the conversion between what did you say, computer science? What was it? What, 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 yeah, exactly. So my, my I have I have two undergraduate degrees, one in electronics and one in computer science. How the heck does that convert to functional medicine? <laughs> what's what's the what's the, like the conversion there? What did that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> You know, in some ways, I feel like I'm doing the same work. So I was working in the back office of a hedge fund uh, three years ago, uh, solving problems, right? You know, something would break and then it'd be my responsibility to fix it. And, you know, software engineering was what I was supposed to be doing. And I love to write new code and, and make new things. That's a lot of fun. But inevitably, once you've had quite a, you know, many years of experience, you end up just owning things and fixing things. And, and that's where I was. And in many ways, I feel like I'm still doing the same work, right? So a great big pile of test results lands on my desk and 
you've got somebody that's reporting some symptoms. Well, you know, I'm going to do a thorough investigation of the data that I have and, and try and figure out what has gone wrong with that person. And then I, I work with them as a peer, you know, like all the people I work with are people like me, they're computer scientists, they're engineers, and they enjoy the complexity, they enjoy the problem solving element of it. And we work together to make diet and lifestyle changes pre predominantly, and then, and then also supplements can fix some of the problems that we find. But yeah, I feel like it's the same thing, right? It's engineering, it's problem solving, it's not, it's not really that different. And you know, if you've got somebody, if you have some basic training, so Brian Walsh's Metabolic Fitness Pro is a training course in biochemistry that has been by far the most useful thing that I've done in terms of my education. And it's a $400 course, like some of the courses, like the Kalish method that we talked about earlier, it's brilliant, but it now costs $12,000. Mm -hmm. And then I did another course, Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, which was also really, really helpful. And that was $5,000. So super expensive, these training courses, but Metabolic Fitness Pro, I think is the best one I've done. And that was only 400 bucks. It's still only 400 bucks. So, I mean, you have to put a little bit of time into trying to understand the biochemistry, but you only need to know so much and that unlocks everything there is on PubMed, right? So you can start reading the papers that have been written by other scientists and then, then you're off to the races, right? Like then it all gets really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast and they, you know, are, are working some job that maybe they're not completely enthused about and they're obviously really into health and would love to you know make that switch and i think it's really fantastic if you can get to the point where you're kind of aligning all of the, your you know all of your interests you know so it's not like i have work for eight hours and it sucks and then i come back and i just forget about it and i do the thing that i actually like but i'm already kind of burnt out you know how was the 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 kind of transfer between doing that work I don't, it sounds like you enjoyed that work before as well but regardless how was the transfer into doing what you're doing You've touched on something that's so, so important there. And that's why it's been so effortless for me. And, you know, I sat down with my wife recently and tried to figure out how many hours I was working per week. And it's uh, including the time that I spend on my bike to train for races. It's at least 100 hours, no problem at all. So I basically do nothing apart from ride my bike, eat and work. And it sounds terrible, but <laughs> it's not work to me, you know, S sitting, reading the papers that my MD PhD sends me that he thinks are relevant for the athletes that we work with. That's not work at all. That's what I want to do. If I was, you know, out in a pub somewhere, I'd probably be thinking about that paper that's yeah. like in my inbox that I really wanted to read. So, you know, it, it, it's effortless and it's so much fun, but I don't think it was before. So you said that it sounds like your job before was okay. It really wasn't. Okay. And I just didn't want to offend how... you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about that. No, I got to a point, you know, there was, I can remember and will always remember this moment when I sat down in the meeting room with my boss and said, you know what, I, I have to go because I really don't care about this work anymore. You know, I have no interest in it whatsoever. And finding passion in your life you know leading a life that you love is obviously just so important for your learning and it becomes effortless once you you find something you're passionate about yeah yeah that's i have um gabor mate have you ever heard of gabor mate before oh no i will now oh god he's great he's he's just a, a beautiful man and he um is is coming on the podcast in a couple of days he's got a really nice book called when the body says no amongst like a bunch of other really amazing works and one of the things that he points out in there is the correlation between uh, cancer, which this is probably, you know, maybe, maybe slightly controversial, but cancer correlation with, with repressed anger and repressed emotions in general, you know, and the inability to, to speak or express yourself. And then that leading to some kind of like 
stasis of sorts in your body, you know, the emotional self kind of manifesting into the physical and, and then the other variables, you know, we were smoking cigarettes and we we're eating crappy food. But the, one of the main indicators is, is this repression thing. And I think there's so many times where it's like, again, we go through that work process and with you, you were suffering from all sorts of intestinal issues and, you know, insomnia and all this yeah. stuff. And, and you were in doing something inherently that you didn't enjoy. You felt like you didn't really have control of your own life. Maybe you were being controlled by somebody else, whatever it is. And then it just so happens that you discover this diet, you change this career, you do all of these different things. It's kind of like, you know, kind of you singing your song in a more truthful way, it seems, you know, and then your health gets better. And then it's like, cool. Right. It was the food. It's like, was it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. <laughs> It's almost a bit more complicated than that. Yeah. It's all of it, right? I mean, I've changed every single thing about my life. So <laughs> that's a really interesting connection, though. And have you read some of John Sarno's books? You must yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. When the, when the mind body says, no, 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 no. What's his uh, back brain pain connection? What is it? What is it called? Yeah, I'm not sure. There's a few of them. I can't remember. Actually. It's very difficult to remember the title of books, isn't it? Because you don't really look at the cover when you're reading it. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah no, so certainly he, he's done this really interesting investigation of how repressed um, anger and tension leads to a physical manifestation in the body that many people experience as back pain yeah. and i think you know i'm not i'm not trying to say that that's what causes back pain but it's certainly a very interesting idea yeah yeah absolutely healing back pain the mind body connection with john oh Sarno. you got it yeah 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 i have it i got it sitting up here um yeah so was there do you feel any kind of distinct correlations with that or is there is there any kind of one thing where you feel like yeah i have taking control of my life and that has in turn taken control of my health or is it is that kind of a bit too nebulous no there's definitely something going on here so you know i have taken control and when i quit that job at the hedge fund i gave up gave up a lot of things right so i gave up financial security i had a three-month-old baby on the day that i quit which is obviously quite terrifying and uh, I lost my health insurance, which was also quite terrifying because I had a wife and a small kid, obviously. But with that came enormous freedom. Mm. So I was living in a small apartment in Oakland, which was all I could afford, uh, that was in a reasonable distance from the office, living under the, the railway tracks of the BART railway overhead, you know, like <laughs> every time it breaks to go into the station, there's like stuff coming off the brake pads or whatever. And uh, it, I was right on Martin Luther King. So anybody that's been in Oakland or a Martin Luther King anywhere knows how kind of busy that sort of road is. And quitting my job has enabled me to move to Santa Cruz, which is where my wife grew up and her parents live close by in Scotts Valley. So, you know, I'm here in the redwood trees and looking out my window right now. It's beautiful sunshine. I'm going to go ride my bike a bit later on. And um, yeah, it's, it's just afforded me tremendous freedom by you know giving up taking on this additional responsibility and i think it's so worth it yeah it's the it's the initial whatever the the initial kind of you know the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever to to start that mm. stress you know or put you over the top in the in that in that analogy you know but it's it's there's so many factors it's like if you're stressed then sleep is going to be challenging you mm -hmm. know and if you can't sleep then you have the whole cascade of effects after that you know, right. it's like, was there, was, was sleep an issue for you or it wasn't oh, yeah. an issue for you? Oh What's, my God. That's something that's so Everything, you, you name it. You don't, you can ask me anything. It was an <laughs> issue for me. So yeah, I mean, sleep was obviously huge and sleep changes everything. And I got to the point where I never even used to bother going to bed. I would spend night times on the couch watching old reruns of the Tour de France. 
And one of the first things that Dan Kalish did for me was an organic acids test that we use all the time in our practice. That's my favorite test. And he saw low turnover of a neurotransmitter called serotonin. And he didn't measure the neurotransmitter directly in urine. That's not possible. But you can measure 5-hydroxytryptophan. And uh, that is a, a metabolite of serotonin. So you know when you see low levels of this metabolite that there's low turnover of serotonin. And he responded to that as somewhat of a stopgap measure to have me supplement with 5-HTP. Uh, you can buy 5-hydroxytryptophan as a supplement. Um, and I, I got the name of the organic acids wrong there. It was 5-hydroxyindolacetate is the name of the organic acid. Sorry, these names are somewhat I was, I was complicated. Gonna, I was going to call them. you out, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, I took 5-hydroxytryptophan as a supplement. And so this is a, a precursor to serotonin, which then becomes melatonin. And I slept for the first time in literally a decade. And it was like a crazy emotional experience. I was nearly crying. It was unbelievable. And of course everything started getting so much better after I started sleeping. So yeah, and I've learned a lot more about sleep since then. You know, my sleep hygiene was probably terrible at that time, but yeah, just that one supplement really changed my life. So was it, it was the 5-HTP that was the one supplement or there was? Yeah, exactly. 5-HTP is the name of the supplement. Wow. And then how yeah. long did you, did you, was there like a weaning process coming off the 5-HTP? Cause I know that you can start to, yeah. well, I don't know, but I, I hear and think that you can start to be kind of dependent if you start messing with your own natural ability to create serotonin and such. Yeah, so that, that's a good question. And I've not known of any dependence issues. And I think the main dependence that I had on that supplement was psychological, right? So when you've been taking something, you've seen such enormous improvement, mm -hmm. especially as in something as important as sleep, you really don't want to stop taking it. Uh, and I, for a long time, I was taking it after bike races. So I almost have trouble sleeping after bike races because you get a raise of catecholamines and cortisol and that whole stress milieu right. and the 5-HTP would help me sleep after a bike race and I was using that for a very long time and you know I forgot to take it one time and I realized it didn't make any difference anymore and you know I've, I've gotten off of it that way but um, yeah I've not known of any you know I've not seen a, I've not seen a study that shows oh if you take this for too long you're going to end up with a dependency or you're going to shut down your own production of serotonin or anything like that. Yeah. What about for other people so 5-HTP was seems like you know, that was super important for you. Is that something you recommend to a lot of people? Like, how do we know what to start thinking about? Yeah, well, I think uh, Dr. Kurt Parsley has done a really good job of this. Yeah. So you, you probably know of him, have heard some of his podcasts. He's been on my podcast. He's been on the Rob Wolf podcast several times. Yeah, I've heard him on this podcast, too. Oh, cool. Excellent. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. I will now, though. Yeah. yeah, he's phenomenal. And he has a product called Sleep Remedy. And Sleep Remedy contains 5-HTP as, as, as one of the special ingredients. And uh, I wouldn't like to say that 5-HTP is the only thing that's helping people sleep in that product. I'm sure it's not. But uh, for, for, for me, at the time that I needed it, it, it certainly was. Yeah. And then so you started getting sleep. You started feeling, you know, you're, you're feeling like a miracle happened. Like what were some other the dominoes to set in place from there that you started getting some momentum? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, I just got to the point where I just really wanted to see if there were other athletes out there like me. Yeah. You know, you get this feeling that, am I the only one? Like, what just happened? Right. And I guess I started exploring that by testing a few of my friends. Hey, do this organic acid test. Let's see if we find the same thing. Yeah. Hey, do this saliva test and let's measure your cortisol. Nice. And of course, 
you know, I found some of the people were fine, but a lot of people had some of the same problems of me. And they also got better when they made some of the same changes that I did. And then I guess the the real domino, the thing that the real tipping point was I did a guest appearance on the Ben Greenfield podcast with my uh, CEO, my medical doctor, Jamie. And we were just inundated. Like I couldn't, people wanted to talk to me tomorrow. Like, you know, a hundred people at once contacted me. And that was what started the practice, you know, so the Ben Greenfield podcast, Ben Greenfield has been so amazing to me in so many ways. Mm. Not only has he given me all this great information that helps me and my clients feel great, but he's also been this amazing source of amazing people. Mm. You know, just every time I'm on that podcast, we get an influx of incredible people. So such a cool podcast. So with, with biking, I, I end up kind of poo-pooing on biking quite a bit for mechanical, structural mechanical yeah. reasons. You know? It's not it's, nutritious movement, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I would not call it nutritious movement. You know, and is, is there, what do you do as far as like remedying your putting yourself in this exacerbated, like hyperkyphotic forward well that's why you've got to come back on my podcast to to talk about that (laughs) i have not got all the answers on that at all and it is something i've battled with obviously i mean you spend 20 hours a week on a bike and i don't spend that much time right now nothing like that much but you know bad things are going to happen and i i I exacerbate it by spending even more time sat at a desk so i am certainly i have not that is not a nut i've cracked by any means you know and i've got this standing desk i'm standing right now but to be honest, I'm only standing right now because of who you are, right? <laughs> if if this was someone else and there were no video, I'd probably you be shall sat be down. Judged. Yeah, exactly. And I've got all kinds of problems with uh, with balance. You know, I've got this saddle on my bike and it has titanium rails. And when you look at it, you can see because the titanium's quite soft, it's malleable, yeah. and you can see that one side of the saddle is like half an inch lower than the other. I'm like, well, that's not good. And I know it's not my bones. You know, I've been to a, a biomechanics specialist that's actually been on it on my podcast, Nigel McCollins, and he has looked at me and there's, there's nothing, there's no difference in the length of my femurs or anything. It's just purely soft tissue that's creating these functional differences in the lengths of my legs. So yeah, I don't, you're going to have to come on to my podcast and tell me about how I'm going to fix this yeah, problem because I really don't have the answers. Well, what about, so, so it sounds like you, like a lot of people are better at like the winding up portion than the winding down aspect of it. Maybe is, is there, you know, like coming off of coming off of the bike and, you know, thinking self-care, thinking kind of taking off the outfit that you put on for the last four hours being hunched over in this bicycle yeah. position, you know, or how many you're, you're riding for usually how, what's like a normal race or. Yeah. So frame? the moment I'm into cyclocross and it's only a 60 minute race and okay. it doesn't make a lot of sense to ride for much more than an hour during the week. If you're racing every weekend, um, that's a mistake I've made in the past. You know, I go out and I do 15 hours a week of training in between a race every weekend and you just end up really overtrained and you don't do as well. So it's not, it's not a huge amount of volume. You know, I'd say it's like 10 hours a week or something in that position. Well, what is, what is, what does pre-race diet look like? What's pre-race preparation look like? Like, how do you get ready to, to go? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> this is going to sound super non-pro, isn't it? But yeah, I really have nothing now. Um, you know, every single thing that I've tried that, to to boost performance it's it's had a negative impact so <laughs> you know i was just joking about this with my wife last weekend you know i, I got onto the podium on in the elite race and i was only 40 seconds behind the u23 national champion and i'm i'm 40 years old right so i'm like wow maybe i need to start taking this cycle cross thing seriously and start warming up on a trainer and stuff you know? 
the serious guys they have these turbo trainers and you see them warming up in the parking lot you know trying to get warmed up and all that yeah. and i used to do all that and i used to be you know have a spare bike in the pits and spare wheels and i used to get my wife to hand me up a bottle during the race and all that crap i don't do any of that stuff now i just like turn up on the bike that i ride all year round a mountain bike it's got a rigid fork on it now and i just race it and it's the same with the food you know i just eat my normal food there's a couple of things I try and avoid on race day because I know they cause me problems. So the autoimmune protocol that I mentioned earlier, it excludes nuts and seeds and nightshades and eggs um, and then obviously gluten and dairy. And, you know, I stay away from all of those things on race day because I think I get an extra kind of bit of gut permeability during racing. And so staying away from the really nasty food allergens um, really, really helps me on race day. But other than that, I don't, I don't eat, you know, a ton of carbohydrates before a race or anything like that. I just continue my normal life. Can you talk a little bit about the the connection with gut permeability and and stress or you know or or race day or whatever that is? Yeah, so it's just normal gut physiology. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so you know, when the gun goes off, you get a, re- a release of adrenaline, and adrenaline it causes vasodilation in the lungs and the airways, right? So you want to get more air, more nutrients to the exercising muscles. And then you want to shut down non-essential functions, right? So digestion, immunity, making new memories, all that kind of stuff. That's not really, that's not really pressing right now. You know, as far as your body's concerned, you're being chased by a tiger. And so you see a vasoconstriction in the gut that cuts off the blood supply. And so anything that's in your gut right then, I I don't know what happens to it. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, you've seen these pictures of runners with shit running down the leg, right? I mean, that's what's happened there is... The gut has just let go. Like I'm not interested in having this matter in here anymore. And so uh, that's just normal gut physiology. That's just what happens. And we've got lots of studies, you know, big meta review studies that have done huge surveys of tens of thousands of athletes. And, you know, some of them show that 90% of endurance athletes suffer from gastrointestinal symptoms at some point or another. Mm. And I, I, I think for me personally, the best strategy is to not have that much food in my gut when I exercise. So for a cycle cross race, I'll eat breakfast really early, like, you know, six in the morning or something. Yeah. And then I don't race until one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. And I won't eat anything in between that period. So my gut is, you know, relatively empty. I'm certainly not stuffing any food in there within 30 minutes of, of the race. And, and, and that seems to work really well for me. I mean, you've got all the energy on board by that point, right? You know, you should have your your glycogen if that's what you're using and you've definitely got a bunch of stored body fat so you don't really need to worry about stuffing a bunch of energy into the system before a race yeah and then overtraining i think is a big factor with all that as well you know it's like more (laughs) must be better you know but then you get to the point like you already mentioned with yourself where you see yourself declining but you're trying harder like how could Mm. this how could this be (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely absolutely more is not better more is never better in anything is it there's almost a sweet spot the goldilocks principle and in the past i've used things like heart rate variability to guide my uh you know my workouts but you get to a point you know when you're 40 years old you've been doing it for 10 years like oh come on do you really need this thing to like know whether or not now is a good day to go out and smash it and do some intervals or or whether you should be doing something else i think that becomes quite intuitive within spirits yeah yeah absolutely was there is there anything else that you've that you notice with with people that you see in your practice or anything that's like just anything that stands out with people obviously so like sleep is huge digestion is huge is there something that's like that you're seeing when you're like walking down you know oakland or or santa cruz rather 
Oh, it's a totally different world. I mean, from the, the difference between the people that we're seeing in our practice versus the people I see in public on the road. I mean, I'm just like a freak of nature compared to those people, right? I mean, even when I go to a bike race, there's 700 guys there and they're all slurping down their goos and, and maltodextrin and, and Gatorade and all of that stuff. And then I'm the one guy that's got literally nothing. Like I just did, <laughs> <laughs> like the BC bike race is a seven day stage race in Canada that I just completed. And it's, it was 18 total hours of racing over muddy single track for a week. And I consumed four bottles of plain water during the racing. And that was it. I didn't eat anything else. I didn't eat anything at all. Right. And only a, so just a little bit of plain water. Yeah. And so everybody else is stopping. There's two aid stations at every race. And people are stopping and they're eating, you know, all manner of crap at those things. So and I'm literally the only one out of 700. And it's not even like you think even those guys are a tiny subset of the world's population, right? Those are some of the the most serious and committed mountain bikers on the planet and they're still nothing like me. So yeah, I, I mean, compared to, I mean, what do you think? I mean, what do you think when you walk down the street in Benz and you, you look at some people, do you, do you not think that they're, they're suffering unnecessarily? Well, so I don't know so much about like functional medicine and nutrition and all that stuff. What I, what I see is I see structural patterns everywhere. Like I can't help but make the correlates between people's body language and how they're doing in their life in general. You know, so if you feel like you're, you're getting back to like Gabor Mate and repression of anger and, you know, whatever, what have you, you know, right. the inability to communicate yourself ends up manifesting the body as some degree of kind of hunching over, cowering over, hyperkyphosis, medial rotation of the shoulders, pronation, forward head posture, all of this protection, you know. And then well, the other thing that I see is the machismo, you know, which is the, the opposite of that, where we tip the spectrum to the other end and now you're really big open chest and you <laughs> now you have hyperlordosis right? right now all of a sudden you're you're borrowing from your lumbar spine yeah. you know and it's just what we end up seeing with that it's just such a beautiful picture to be able to start to look at people as literally a book or a story you know right. and so i'm curious you know from perceptions like yeah. like your own of like you know you probably see it more maybe from like you know the the computer science or from the nutrition right. You know, and so yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, that's my major weakness, I would say, is I, I don't know anything about the physical appearance of people. <laughs> like I've never had to lay my hands on someone. I've never, we do all of our consulting remotely using this video conferencing software called Zoom. And it's a bit like Skype, you know, I mean, you can make eye contact with people, but I, I certainly don't, you know, I've never laid my hands on someone. I just I'm purely a biochemistry nerd, you know, where I'm just looking at these metabolomics on the on the test results in front of me. So I, I, I just don't know. But yeah, I mean, I certainly see, I connect some of the dots. So, you know, you'll see guys on the trail that probably do too much, if anything, exercise, and yet still they're not particularly lean, right? You see this pattern of central obesity, and then maybe you see that little muffin top that appears at the end of the Lycra shorts, and uh, you know that that's insulin resistance and, and probably too many carbohydrates for that person at that time. And so, you know, they're, they're suffering unnecessarily. Yeah. It'd be beautiful to see more of a connection between, you know, all of these worlds, allopathic medicine and, you know, yeah. alternative medicine. Alternative is such a ridiculous word because, you know, alternative it's only been alternative for like the last hundred years. Before, you know, before right. that, it was primary medicine. Now all of a sudden it's like, no, that's just, yeah, that's uh, everything that's not Western MD is, that's just, no, it's dead. Throw it right. You know, but yeah, no, there's, no, there's really no rhyme or reason. You know, I've just got back from a Great Plains workshop. So Great Plains is one of the labs that we use. 
and uh, they're really, really great at doing education. And I went to this workshop and there was continuing medicational medication education points available for that. And so, you know, there was a whole bunch of, of doctors present there. And some of them were alternative practitioners, you know, um, acupuncturists and chiropractors and whatnot from the local area. And fr from listening to their questions, it was quite obvious to me that they were basically doing the same thing as your traditional medical doctor would in a family practice. It's just that they were using nutritional supplements as opposed to the pharmacological agents, right? So they wanted to know the dose of everything. Right. Like, it, that's, I mean, he's trying to teach you biochemistry. Like, what, it's not about the dose of the B6 that he's talking about. It's about the biochemistry. And right. um, so I don't think, you know, just because you're alternative doesn't mean you're any good. You know, it's not, right. it doesn't really look bad. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish that some of the doctors, especially the GPs, that are, they're trapped inside of this system that doesn't really work, right? You've got 10 minutes yeah. to see this person and then write them up. Like, so three of those minutes you have to spend creating notes. And then the only tool you've got is the prescription pad, right? Where you can just write that person a, a script for, for a drug. Well, how are you ever gonna make them feel good in, in that instance? And you have this amazing education, all those years at medical school, all those years studying biochemistry and physiology and all of these really important topics. And it all boils down to like 10 minutes with a person like that's it, yeah. something has to change. Like I really want to encourage those doctors with that incredible education to bust out of that system and become entrepreneurial and start yeah. doing functional medicine, like start looking at some of these tests like the organic acids and some of the fancier blood markers that are available today and really start asking what the hell is going on inside of this person? Like, let's do some proper investigation here, not yeah. just a stupid prescription. Yeah. And you said it, you know, before in relation to like, the body doesn't receive well when it's under stress. You know, if we're in kind of just this fight, flight, like survive mm. mentality, it's pretty hard to receive nutrition. It's pretty hard to, you know, whatever the, whatever the, the supplements that you're getting, if you haven't addressed, you know, the temple that you're putting the supplements into in the first place, it's going to be really hard to, to be able to metabolize that and process that. You know, and sometimes I think the supplements do help with the relaxation. You know, and it's kind of, it's always it, both sides are, are being, are feeding back and forth to each other. But sometimes people just need to be touched. Sometimes people just need to be listened to. Sometimes people yeah. need to feel like they have a direction in their life. Sometimes it's yeah. like all of these things that you can't really put it in a beaker and say it's like 50 milliliters of like, you know, human contact or whatever. But they're, they're, really, <laughs> they're really important. You know, it's like this, this stress is one of the biggest barriers to allowing our bodies to to upregulate to function but we just keep right. on throwing stuff at this system right. that's not able to receive in the first place and that's something yep. that I, I i see a lot we're always seeking outside you know the periphery as opposed to like maybe i start kind of softening the sponge a little bit and then maybe i'll be able to receive more fluid we just have these mm -hmm. hard crusty <laughs> you know? yeah i get that yeah and it's funny you should say that because that that is exactly what's going on with the 5-HTP, right? So 5-HTP is made from this amino acid tryptophan and tryptophan should come from your diet and it is coming from your diet, I'm sure. But there are several different fates for tryptophan. You can either use it to make 5-HTP, um, which would be the serotonin melatonin pathway, so an inhibitory neurotransmitter and a sleep hormone, or it can go down in a different direction towards chiurinate which is inflammatory cytokines. So imagine if you have an infection, that could alter the metabolism of tryptophan 
And by the way, we can measure all of these things on the organic acids test. So I've got the whole thing mapped out so I know what's going on. And I'm sure that's what was going on for me at that time was I had multiple infections. I had a yeast overgrowth. I had some weird amoebic infection. I had a pinworm. And so I needed to deal with that, with those infections by taking some nutritional supplements and actually one drug as well that I went back to the doctor and got. And so once I dealt with that, that freed up my tryptophan to go back towards serotonin and melatonin. And then guess what? I could sleep properly. So the, the supplement is really just a stopgap measure to kind of see you through to make sure you do get that sleep whilst you're fighting the infection. And, and then you can be returned to a, a normal baseline. The standard question of the podcast that seems to come up probably way too often. Um, what do you think about weed as a supplement? Yeah. Do you know what? That's really funny you should bring it up. It's I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I've just watched just half of a webinar by uh, Jason Prahl, and maybe I'll send you the link so you yeah, can please. link to this. The, just, the, just, the, just the naming conventions alone are just so difficult. Like, I mean, what the hell are you talking about? Are you talking about the, the psychoactive component or are you talking about the non-psychoactive component? And that was one of the things that I noticed with these alternative primary care doctors at this workshop was they said they were prescribing it for literally everything, everything mm. from insomnia to Parkinson's disease. Mm. They were prescribing the CBD oil. And I, I honestly don't know anything about it. But, you know, my, my concern is that you're just swapping out one pharmacological agent for another. So, okay, we used to prescribe Ambien, now we have CBD oil, great. So it's a natural thing that grows from a plant, whereas Ambien is made in a factory. So the CBD oil has got to be better. Well, well, maybe not. Maybe what you really need to do is to sort out your Zeitgebers. So a Zeitgeber is something that entrains circadian rhythm. So when you get up in the morning, go outside and get some bright, blue light exposure from the sun on your eyes and socialize earlier during the day and exercise earlier during the day and then eat in, in the daylight hours. And, and then when you get to nighttime, avoid your exposure to screens and don't watch Breaking Bad late at night in bed and all this kind of things. So you can train your circadian rhythm and then guess what? You don't need the ambient or you don't need the CBD oil. So, you know, that's my concern with those pharmacological agents is they're displacing your interest from solving the true root cause, right? It's just masking the symptom yeah. rather than addressing the root cause. Yeah, cool, man. Sorry, that was a very non-specific answer to your question about weed. And, no, and the no, answer is I know absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> no, no, it's totally good. I most usually when, when I, we talk about weed on the show, people are, are you know, they're, they're pro using it. So mm -hmm. hearing anybody with another opinion, I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, so is there anything else that you were kind of kind of wrapping up on time? Is there anything else that you would like love to kind of tell folks or something that maybe like, oh, this will be it sounds important or or we can just tell them where to where to find you? I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love to inspire people. So especially if you're a computer scientist or an engineer of some sort that you know, nobody cares about this problem more than you. So if you're feeling a bit foggy at the moment, and your sex drive isn't great, and you're, you're struggling to lose weight in spite of everything that you're doing, just despite the amount of effort that you put into your diet, then take charge, go order yourself some testing. And it doesn't have to be through me, like you can poke around on the internet, and you'll find all of the tests that we use, organic acids, blood chemistry, it seems like Quest and LabCorp are making a big drive at the moment to make the blood tests available to the general public uh, you mentioned Wellness FX is another great resource. Um, we also do lots of stool testing. So, 
um, yeah, go out there and like, you know, do some testing and like try and figure out what the results mean because, you know, that's how I got into this and, and nothing but good things have happened since I did that. And um, if you would like some help from me, then of course I'd like to work with you and you can come to the front page of my website and there's a button there. You can book a free consultation and talk to uh, my registered nurse or my wife who are doing the free consultations at the moment. And, and they'll help you understand if the testing is going to help you and, and, and whether you're a good fit for our program. Um, so yeah, I think that's about it. Cool, man. Uh, one quick thing, the sex drive thing. Is there any kind of, what's like the, the toolkit for, for working on that? We just did a podcast with this. So my chief medical officer, Dr. Tommy Woods, did a podcast on this with me. And it's like everything, a multifactorial complex problem. If you're talking about mechanical function, so if you're talking about erectile dysfunction, then that is a huge canary in the coal mine for cardiovascular disease. So right. the damage to the delicate endothelial tissue that happens inside of arteries is also happening inside your penis. And that is probably what's causing erectile dysfunction. And of course there's glycotoxicity. So glucose can damage the nerves and, and that can break things as well. So um, yeah, listen to my, I'll send you the link for my podcast that I did with Tommy. Sure. There's also of course the sex drive component as well. So you may have normal mechanical function um, but you just don't have the desire. And, and that gets really complicated really quickly. And we talk about this a bit in the in the podcast as well. We talk about testosterone and we talk about how porn addiction can change your sex drive. So uh, that was a really interesting show. So maybe I should link to that and uh, send people in that direction. What do you think about porn addiction affecting sex drive? Since we got, yeah, like, so, we got like, we have like five minutes technically. If, if you have five minutes, do you, do you got yeah. that? Yeah, you know, so I am not an expert on this at all. And I was only introduced to the idea recently and I am not a porn person at all. I never look at porn on the internet. Honestly, I promise. <laughs> and, uh, but it makes it, there's a, there's a website that people can check out and it's just called uh, Your Brain on Porn, I think it is. I'll send you the link just in case I got that wrong, but Your Brain on Porn. And so it's like everything else. Like if you're used to really high levels of stimulation, then when you reduce that level of stimulation with something else, guess what? It doesn't do it for you anymore, mm. right? So we see this with sugar. If you're used to eating Snickers bars, then a blueberry tastes like shit, mm. right? And it's the same thing with porn. If you're used to looking at disgusting and weird and crazy shit on the internet, then normal sex with another human being Maybe it doesn't cut it for you anymore, you know. Unless, and so, unless you have access to disgusting, crazy shit in your normal <laughs> life, <laughs> then it's fine. Yeah, so, yeah, so Tommy did point that out. You know, there may still be a place for that stuff, but you should probably engage the, your partner in it rather than like doing it by yourself, so that you, yeah, you create that same level. Like it's the, it has to be the the baseline has to be shared amongst both people. Right. Yeah. 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 Is there any one like supplement or food source that you would recommend for libido or sex drive or anything? Yeah, we've not found good solutions for raising testosterone. We really haven't. There aren't many supplements. That, we do this Dutch test that looks at hormones and then the urinary metabolites of hormones. And we've really not found many good solutions for raising testosterone with supplements. Mm. The number one thing I can recommend is sleep. And so, of course, yeah. you've heard Kirk talk about this, that you can't be giving a bunch of nutritional supplements or medicines to Navy SEALs when they're in the field but you can get them to sleep occasionally. So, you know, sleep is probably your best bet for 
um, raising testosterone and then eating enough calories as well. Like people, everyone's eating keto diets now and uh, they're all eating 800 calories a day and then they wonder why their testosterone tanks. And it, it's, it's just you're sending this message to your brain that now is not a good time to reproduce because there's not much energy around. So, yeah, eating enough food and getting enough sleep are probably my two top tips yeah. for increasing testosterone and, and the supplements. You know, yeah, and sort of take it or leave it with all of them. Yeah, I think libido is it's an interesting concept because, I mean, I think libido is just like health. You know, if you're a, if you're a healthy, a strong person, you probably are sexually attracted to people and you want to procreate and you, right. you're in a place of like, yeah, let's create a human. You know, maybe that's not what you actually, you know, want to do, but physiologically, that's probably what's yeah. causing the stir in your pants. You know, but yeah. if you're not in that place, then you're probably not going to feel that way. But it's like, it's the oysters, it's the chocolate, it's the, it's like, yeah, I think it's a lot of things. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And you only have to do, go do a triathlon and see how that shuts it all down. You know, right. go do 20 hours a week of mountain biking and then see how much you feel like having sex the next week. Right. It just, right. it all makes perfect sense. And then for men, it's so easy, right? You've got this built in testosterone meter that points north in the morning. Yeah. And uh, I think I stole that from Kurt Parsley, but it's absolutely true. Like, if you're not waking up in the morning with an erection, then you're doing something wrong. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, let's let's finish with that. That's great. That's important. If you, <laughs> that's that's gonna be that's absolutely gonna be the intro to the to the podcast. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Um, I will see you in uh, in the Bay for sure at some point. And uh, if you make it up to the Northwest, do you want to go? you know, whatever kayak or fly with eagles or whatever, come out to Oregon. We got a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. I've got friends in Ashton, so I absolutely will make an effort to come and find you in Bend. Cool, brother. Sweet. Well, I look forward to uh, coming on to talking about how to, how to get the, the bike, the bike uniform yeah, off when you're done. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this, having you onto my podcast. And I want to talk about alignment, I think is the perfect word. And I want to talk That's about right. how you can make movement fun. And I want to talk about how you can mitigate the harmful effects of doing my two favorite activities which are sitting at a desk and sitting on a bicycle cool man i appreciate it well sweet well yeah let me oh well, we're already scheduled for that so uh yeah if you got any like questions comments you know whatever you just want to call and we could maybe i can maybe like set a cell phone up beside my pillow at night we could listen to each other breathe just to kind of <laughs> come to like create some kind of rhythmic congruency with each other and then we'll just <laughs> flow right into the podcast <laughs> perfect <laughs> See you, brother. Okay. Bye. Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A L I G N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog, you can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body as well. Be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist and a massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.